What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Um, before we start, please hit subscribe. Please give us a review once you've listened. Keeps the podcast going. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. Podcast time. Uh, this week, uh, I have singer, songwriter, producer, um, live artist, a uh, lady called Joplin. Um, she is a Berlin-based artist, makes really, really nice, emotive, beautiful dance records. Um, she has released albums. Um, she has only been on the scene since 2020 from what she spoke about in, in the uh, podcast. She's been writing music for a lot longer than that, but she's very, very talented. Um, and I love her music. So I thought I'd get her on the podcast. So without further ado, Joplin. Joplin, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really good. I am saying your name correctly, right? Yes. That's the main thing. Joplin. Exactly. Like Janice Joplin. Yeah, I was going to say, is there, is there like a link with that? Is um, She definitely inspired it. I was looking for names, which is such a hard thing to do. I think people always underestimate actually finding a name that hasn't been used yet. Yeah. Um, totally. And in my case, the name has been used. I mean, Janis Joplin isn't exactly like a indie niche <laughs> <laughs> artist that no one knows about. Um, but I figured because her music is so different from what I do, uh, and because I'm so inspired by any strong woman, and I mean, she really, you know, pushed down the boundaries and everything in her time, yeah. uh, that I thought it would be a great homage to her almost. And I do spell it a little different to her. Okay. I mean, I spell it with a Y instead of the I. And uh, yeah, so I actually got the idea. I think I was having breakfast and Janis Joplin was just playing in the background. Amazing. So it's all thanks to the Spotify algorithm. And then I was like, how can I switch this up a little? And that's how the name Joplin came about. Do you? That's amazing. Do you let the Spotify algorithm kind of do your do its thing kind of i mean it really? knows me too well nowadays like it's yeah. almost scary like sometimes i don't even have to type any anything i just open up my spotify and it tells me the song that i wow. like the exact song that i want to listen to it's almost as scary as the tiktok algorithm i would say <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that's like top tier no one can beat that i um, yeah. i don't spend long enough on tiktok for it to get me yeah like that's I, good on you. I haven't yeah no <laughs> i like i gave it i think a week and then after that it knew me too well now i can't put the app down anymore it's, <laughs> it's crazy especially because i remember like i used to make fun of everyone who was using tiktok because i was like huh i'm way too cool for this like yeah i'm still kid. that i'm still that person right now but i'm i i post the last one standing i post on tiktok <laughs> but i like i post in ghost so i literally post okay, and leave yeah. um mm -hmm. so you're more of an instagram Bye. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm older. I'm 32. So it's like I grew up with with Instagram. I'm not saying that I'm old, but like mm -hmm. I don't know actually. That's almost like Facebook in a way. Yeah, almost. I I How old are you if you don't mind me asking? Um or do we That's not, actually something I don't Do we not really, talk about? I, I can I can I mean you don't you never ask a lady her age, right? I can tell you. But that's bullshit. Yeah, you, of course podcast. you ask a, if, of course you ask a lady how old she is. Come on. We're in 2022 now. Uh, but I am probably younger than you think. No, I kind of thought you were younger than what 
I have I th- yeah. I have a feeling. Okay. I have an idea. Okay, I have an idea. <laughs> but yeah, I was gonna say That's like scary. I when like with social media, like I grew up um, when Facebook wasn't a thing. So it was mm. like I think the first the first thing was Facebook for me. No, it was MySpace, <laughs> um, and then Facebook, and then Instagram, and then I guess Twitter yeah, at the same back. time. Oh, Twitter. Okay. I feel yeah. like Twitter isn't a thing in Germany at all. Like I never, I don't, none of my friends use Twitter. It's mm. more of like maybe an American thing or do people use it in the UK a lot? I don't know. Yeah, I think people use it here as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I I think it's like, I don't use it. That, I do the same as TikTok. I post and ghost. I yeah. just don't. That's the best way to do it. I mean, yeah. that was the plan initially for me downloading TikTok because <laughs> they actually wanted to like, I, the one thing I will say, TikTok is very on board with like, getting more musicians i think on there and like especially the music team here in germany like they're Mm. very uh involved in everything which i couldn't say the same about instagram so um in the beginning it was like okay i'm gonna collab with you guys like we're gonna bring more we're gonna make it more of an edutainment platform Mm. um but now i'm just sucked into the vortex of never coming out again (laughs) yeah I, i i don't know how you feel about it but i think like tiktok's uh wild it's like the wild west of Insta- sure. I mean, of it's so crazy right? because there's so many niches existing on TikTok, right? It's like, but you both like the two of us can be on TikTok and yeah. have a completely different experience of the app, and you're you're in such an echo chamber at some point. Like I saw this uh, video on TikTok of a girl. She was for two weeks. She was kind of reacting and like in- interacting with the content, mm. like she thought like um, a, like deep America, like deep in America. Yeah conservative mm. maybe trump supporter would yeah uh, and like the videos that ended up popping up on her for you page like mm. on in her algorithm uh, after those two weeks it was crazy because it was like very you know sexualized women with guns and yeah, like yeah. all these like paroles that were very questionable um and you're like wow it's that's crazy that that's the same app and that like once you're in the algorithm that's just what you're going to be seeing all day, every day. And then that obviously shapes the way you think again and your views and everything. Um, So it's such a, I think it's really cool, but I think it's also a little, you have to, you know, definitely be careful about it. I have a little sister and like the niche that she's in, she's, she was on witch talk, I think a couple of months ago, which is like the TikTok for witches. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know that existed. Me neither, but like, like I said, like it all happens like so far from anything yeah. you like you would talk about normal. Like it's just it's so so big, but it, mm. no one talks about it. And like, um, yeah, it's just like basically all you see is like videos of witches doing spells, and then they're like, if you have a mole on this arm, then you're a witch officially. Wow. And like, she was so sucked into it, and she began thinking she was a witch, um, and stuff like that, which is like. I don't know. I think it's definitely an interesting app to um, to experience. Definitely different to anything else. Yeah, I think I think it's there's like huge pros and cons to it, right? And I think mm-hmm. the the there is it's like the internet. The internet is a huge tool to make to to allow yourself to be whoever you want to be, and allow your niche to connect with them. Mm-hmm. but on the other side of it there's the rabbit holes and the the bad oh, side yeah. of it but realistically there's bad sides to everything 
Exactly. So it's exactly. like, I mean, it can be very educated. Like I nowadays, like my for you page, I learn a lot from it. And yeah. like, it's obviously not the most trustworthy source being like, <laughs> I learned this on TikTok, but like, I feel like there is some very good quality, just like knowledge out there. Mm. Um, that's been made very accessible, very like put into like bite-sized little chunks where it's easy for you to, yeah. you know, process it. And like, that's what I love using TikTok for. And I mean, everything happens in niches nowadays. Like it's the same with on Spotify. It's the same everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. It's going to be the same on TikTok. It's just the, the educational side of the internet is amazing. Like, I don't know about you, but for me, like just listening to podcasts over the last like five, six, seven years, I think I've learned more from a podcast from podcasts than I did at school. And I think it's like, allows the creative brain that doesn't necessarily do well in a educational environment to work out what their niche is and work out who they want to be with who they want to be in life exactly. <laughs> and I think yeah. like education doesn't uh, we, we all need the education system if you know what I mean we're fortunate that we live in a country that we have that um mm. but I think it's also the it's very like what's the word i'm not too sure what the word is um it's very like one track minded mm, it's, it's made like for one specific type of person, person. Yeah. and exactly yeah. yeah i think i mean that's what i love about the internet too i feel like in school you're so often taught that learning is a bad thing and it's like uh like it's tiring yeah. and it's it's so sad because yeah. you know when we when we're babies or when we're toddlers, all we want to do is learn. Yeah. All we want to do is explore. And like our brains are like sponges. We want to soak up like every little yep. thing, bit of knowledge that we can get. And then once we get into school, it becomes like a negative thing mm -hmm. almost. And I think that's the saddest part about school is just that it teaches you that it's not cool yeah. and that it's not fun to learn. And I think I had to kind of like when I got out of school, I had to remodel my brain into being like, this is such a privilege that mm -hmm. I'm able to learn all of this stuff. And like, it is the best thing I think in, in life to learn and to keep yeah. educating and to keep growing. Um, so I think like, I definitely agree with you. I also think it's a little like, you know, reducing a human being to a number from one to six in Germany. I don't know what it's like in the UK. Um, I have a couple friends and they were definitely like, it did a lot to their self-worth because at the end of the day, like you begin, you know, equating your self-worth to that number you get from one to six. Yeah. And like I had a friend and she, every teacher kept telling her, you know, you're stupid. And at some yeah. point she believed and she thought genuinely thought, okay, I'm stupid. You know, there's just no mm. way I've, I can even help myself. It's just, she kind of accepted yeah. this number that she got. And then she was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do in life. Like mm. I, obviously I am too dumb to do anything. Yeah. So she kind of, I don't know. It was like a spiral downwards from there. And I think that can be a little, <laughs> toxic but maybe that was just also my school no that sounds pretty rough to be fair when you're like graded <laughs> <laughs> like this is yeah. almost like the like social system right and having social social kind of status and you will be in like it's very weird and you're i think to a certain extent like for me at school it was like yeah you're putting classes based on your intelligence um mm -hmm. and for me like in certain classes like the the more academic i was definitely at the bottom but i think because i was fortunate enough to have people around me my parents my family um family friends that would make sure that i that would support me through that as well 
Mm. And I think if you don't have that support system when exactly. you're when you're a child, it's which I was I'm very fortunate, but like a lot of people don't have that. And yeah. the they spend you spend more time at school than you do at home majority of the time because when you go home you go to sleep after a couple of hours and and then you're back to school five days mm. a week and I think <clears throat> that's the that's the thing for me is like I wish I'm not saying I'm massively generalizing but I wish there was like a, a, a way for teachers to actually like nurture kids and and realize that kids are the future of the world and and kind of but also the same for parents and I guess going into that I want to kind of go into your childhood a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to kind of dig into that a little bit. Because, it's always when it, when it gets deep, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, but I think like... That's when it all happens. Yeah, like it's very easy for me to just start talking about music, but like your music's great and we'll get into that in after. But like, I think like knowing how somebody's childhood was is like the reason why they are the person today yeah i feel like everything you can lead back to the childhood yeah like it's crazy yeah so you're right how was it my childhood i mean i grew up um i'm half vietnamese and half Mm. german which is also like going back to school um my experience of school was kind of like my mom she's the german side she had a very healthy way of looking at school my dad who's the asian side who you would typically think okay like you know super school is the most important thing you can only bring yeah. home like a's or a stereoty- else you're gonna go. stereotypical asian dad exactly asian, that's like yeah, the yeah. stereotypical asian upbringing yeah. and like the funny thing is that he got that stereotypical asian upbringing from his dad yeah and because of it he was so trauma maybe traumatized maybe just like maybe it was just like an end like i get it completely yeah. i feel like you either become exactly like your parent or you become mm-hmm. the exact opposite and he ended up being the exact opposite mm. so he kept telling me like school is the dumbest thing like you don't need to be there like he would be when i was studying for a test he'd be like stop studying like this shit is like so, wow so, you, can, you, can swear, you can swear yes okay uh, this is you know bullshit yeah. um do something better with your time you know can't you stay home tomorrow and like be creative can't you skip school tomorrow and i'd be like most of the time i was like yeah i'll skip school tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> but like occasionally I had like an important test or something so I couldn't skip school and I'm like yeah. we had sometimes even when say arguments but it was always like a thing also between my parents where my mom was a little bit more like okay I, I get it like school isn't mm. the most important thing but it's still important yeah and I think also her being a woman like she still um like she was thought it was like she knew how important it was for me to just have a diploma or whatever in my yeah. hands just to kind totally. of if the music thing nev- doesn't work out just to kind of prove that I yeah. got some type of education or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and yeah, so that was definitely a little, a contentious topic in my family. Uh, I was not that much, not in school that much, but I was um, a very good student nonetheless, you know, <laughs> <laughs> saying truth to, to the Asian stereotype. I did get good grades, um, yeah. but my childhood in general I mean, I grew up in a very creative household. Like, there was always music playing. Um, I started learning, you know, how to play the piano when I was five, which Mm -hmm. is also, you know, it's either the violin or the piano. For me, it was the piano. (laughs) And did your dad um, or mum play as well? uh, My dad plays. Yeah. 
exactly but it's like i feel like every age sorry i keep going back to that but i, I did have some like very stereotypically asian parts yeah. of my upbringing i get it and like that's another part that was definitely very very stereotypically asian um so i got like the whole classical shebang like i you know i was i had like a very strict russian piano teacher here in berlin uh and she was you know giving me like loads of homework like you know according to her all i all i was allowed to do all day is just like play the like piano that, and yeah. like exactly be chained to the piano uh and like at some point i was like i'm sick of mozart i'm sick of beethoven like i'm sick of all these like classical like i don't want to be a pianist like yeah. i like i don't i think the way she taught it like she taught me was not very again like it was it felt very forced like it didn't really nurture the whole creative side of it um so at some point i was like i don't want to do this anymore like i told my parents uh, i don't want to take piano lessons anymore um i just want to teach myself yeah then we go back to the internet being this like universe of knowledge so i really taught myself how to play you know chords and everything from like on the off of the internet Mm. which is I obviously, I obviously had the basis of, you know, having been in piano lessons for five years or yeah, something. Yeah, you're already pretty good. I, like, yeah, I can read notes, yeah, like, yeah, I can yeah. play, but, like, I, I never really got the whole concept of chords because that's not what you're taught in, no. like, you know, classical yeah, yeah, piano yeah. lessons. Um, what so are, you, what are like, you taught in classical piano lessons? Because I've had piano lessons, but I wouldn't say they were, like, classical I, I mean, that was just what my Russian teacher taught me, but it was yeah. basically like, um, first you learn how to read notes and then you just learn how to play like all these extremely hard, yeah. like that's all you do. Like you never really get the context. You never get into like the harmonics of it or like, why does this piece work? Yeah. Why yeah, does yeah. like, why is it in a major key and how does, you know, that support the theme of like, you never really understand the whole music theory behind it or i think mm. you're never really taught the whole music theory it's, it's sort of like this is what you this is how it's played and then you yeah. know you have to learn a kind of like writing or like reading I it's actually like. really interesting you say that because i've never thought about this but there's so many people that play instruments that are great at emulating other people's music mm. and playing other people's music and that's all they do they yeah. literally go and sit in front of a piano, go and sit in front of, or have a guitar, whatever, and read notes and play other people's music. And I, even looking back when I used to have piano lessons, there was never a point of like, the piano is an instrument to make music, not to play other people's music. It's an instrument to go and like create. And let's spend. I mean, if your strength is emulating then it can also be a, just a tool for emulating. But yeah. in our case, I guess it is, yes. But I think, I, I don't know anybody that has had, that goes to get piano lessons that doesn't get taught. That You have to go through the basics, of course. And then when you get to a point, it's like, okay, how difficult is the music? Like, the, it's based on difficulties, right? This mm. this this piece is very simple to play. You You get good at that. You then go to a little harder 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 piece but it's never like let's go and go and create your own we've got an hour lesson today let's go and create something of ourselves and i think that's really i've never thought of why but i wonder why that mm-hmm. is because I, I don't know anybody it's a completely different um like it's a completely different field like i don't think 
and you like no matter how well you can emulate or you know play finished pieces like that doesn't tell you anything about your ability to create no right? it doesn't at all so I feel like piano teachers you know their job is to teach you how to read the play music something. so it would be stepping out of their own com comfort zone to be like okay let's create it that's such a different task to do and i think it's like it's like in real school like you're the like the the default is always just to learn how to emulate and yeah. to learn how to quote all these important like literary mm. icons like and i don't know or like it's like for example in german lesson or in english lessons like you never learn how to write your own no. stuff you always just get these like long articles or, or poems or whatever and like you have to analyze them but mm. i feel like if school because at the end of the day what you need all what you do all this this analyzing for is to be able to i think um make produce some good work totally. of your own but you never do like you, the only work you produce is always based on Somebody something else's. that's already there yeah, yeah, right yeah. so like i remember when i was in um in school and our like i had a very cool english teacher and like she was the first one to be like okay we're done with everything i feel like the english teachers are always good Big up right the english teachers well, it's generally because it's generally because they're just like on holiday or something like that for like a few years True. and they're just yeah, chilling yeah. exactly <laughs> they're just chilling <laughs> So she was awesome. And like, um, she, like she, when we were done with like all the curriculum, like stuff in the curriculum that we had to go through for the year, um, she was like, okay, like I, I could just watch movies with you until the end of this year, mm. which is what every other teacher would do. Yeah. Um, but let's just write some poems. Why not? Like mm. let's, but let's make it fun. Like I'm not going to grade them. We're just going to be creative and we're going to take the whole stress out of it. Like this is not about, um, you know, being good or bad. This is just about being yeah. and like creating. Mm. And like, I feel like that's such a cool approach, but I had like no other teacher I ever had would have ever thought to do that. Yeah. And like even the creative subjects in school, you know, music and art and my school, they were kind of seen as like secondary. So mm. we would go like a year that we would have like four secondary subjects, uh, one, like chemistry and physics, I think on the one side and then art, and music on the other side and then yeah. one year would be just chemistry chemistry and physics oh, wow. and then the next year would be just art and music uh, so they weren't even like on the same level as yeah. math or whatever it was like yeah whatever we'll just like if we have the time slot to fill it like mm. we'll give the kids their art and music lessons and like i feel like that's like i think it does shape a society to be kind of i mean it's it's easier of course to control a society that's good at just like you know, doing what they're told, working, you know, giving like being given a task and then yeah. not questioning it and just like working that task. Do you and then, think do you think that's a control thing? I mean it sounds very conspiracy. No, I'm I'm down <laughs> to go down that rabbit hole. So let's but go. Let's like go. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just putting it out there. It is easier to control people or yeah, just con control people that tend to think more inside of a box than people that are taught to think more outside of the box. I guess going back to TikTok and going back to algorithms, do you not feel the same? Yeah, for sure. Like the TikTok, like for sure. I mean, there is this conspiracy theory again that has um, that's uh, been saying that the Chinese TikTok, like when we open the app for yeah. uh, when kids open the app in China, it's like only like educational content yeah, that they're yeah, getting, that. Yeah. and then those same kids opening the app in 
whatever, like America or somewhere somewhere else in the West, uh, they're getting all these dance videos and whatever yeah. TikTok's known for. And it is in a way dumbing down a, a society, I think, especially if you start mm. so young. And um, so I think it's definitely like social media now is the closest, like it's the interface, you know, where everyone, mm. it's the, where, it's the platform where everyone kind of, you know, connects and yeah. where those, where we can, yeah, where we can communicate with our idols or with like-minded people or mm. whatever. Um, so I think that is really the easiest means to control society because that's where all the communication on all the knowledge and yeah. education happens at the end of the day. And I wouldn't see why people wouldn't take advantage of that. I don't disagree. <laughs> don't disagree with that. What's, um, <laughs> what's the wildest conspiracy theory you're into? <laughs> I feel like you go down some rabbit I holes. You like a big <laughs> yes, now you do. Yourself. I have to say, I'm not really like I wouldn't say I am. Oh, boring. <laughs> I was looking forward I know, to that. I'm like I'm trying to think, but like stuff like I don't know. I don't even know that many conspiracy theories. The last one I kind of heard about was the Bermuda Triangle, which is like ages ago. Yeah. Um. So I I'm sorry to disappoint. I just have like my theories about I think social media and society and the like society school. And how everyone's going to get controlled by everybody. Yeah, the robots are just gonna take take over at the end anyway. <laughs> this is actually true. I, I was I had a um Very. I had a mate uh in the studio with me for the last couple of days and we we're talking about AI music. And he's mm. he's a classically trained pianist, he's ex insanely good uh jazz pianist as well. Mm -hmm. And he has a project that is like a purely piano music on spotify and he had the conversation his management had a had the conversation with him the other day that like there's literally ai that's creating music that like playlist music like background music like on the playlist mm. of like study and chill and that spotify yeah, like ambient, right? <laughs> yeah and that spotify are creating ai techniques or ai technologies to create this music so it then takes out the artist side of it and we are at that point now where music, I don't think it will always take over, but music and art will be taken over by the robots. There, there, sure. there will be a point. Like everything else. Yeah. yeah. I completely agree. I mean, there was, wasn't there like a couple of years ago, the first algorithm, like AI that was ever signed, I think to Sony. Yeah. And that algorithm was making like this ambient music that was perfect for all these Spotify like study playlists or yeah. whatever, and like made so much just money and, you know, rights and everything uh, that it made sense for Sony to sign that AI. Yeah. And I think that now, like nowadays, I just, I was just talking to a friend about it and she's working like in the AI field. She was, and she told me that the songs, like, because voices are now even so easy to emulate, yeah. like, it's not only no, no longer just restricted to ambient music, no. which I kind of, which was always easier for me to understand because mm. that does follow kind of like a pattern and everything. Yeah. But like now if you open up, open it up to all genres, like that's going to completely revolutionize everything. But I do think that humans want to see humans. So I think the music yeah. side, okay. Like maybe we'll have AIs composing hit songs or whatever, yeah. but I feel like just like having a face to the music, having an artist to embody the music, to express themselves through the music and to communicate with their fan base. 
I think that's not going to go anywhere so soon. I mean, there are, there are, are AI models and everything nowadays on Instagram too, it's right? Crazy. But I feel like this human element, like if it's too perfect, if it's just not real, like if it's too technical, I don't think humans connect with it the same way they do with real humans. I totally agree. And I was saying to him about um, feelings and how like realistically can an AI feel real emotions because the emotions they are being taught are based on human mm. interactions and what the humans are kind of teaching them. So yeah. it's like, I feel like music is very feeling based um, and how it makes the artist feel when they're creating it. And also how it makes the listener feel when they're listening to it. And yeah. I think you need a feeling to start a record and to finish a record. And I don't know if you can emulate that, but no one, an AI has never been broken up with by their boyfriend or girlfriend, if you know what I mean. Like they've never experienced that feeling of like lostness or whatever, whatever makes you write music or yeah. create art or whatever it is. And I think that's the one thing is that, people will still want to connect with is that there's going to be tech companies wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say that like i mean there's so much content specifically about a breakup let's just say like lyrical content yeah. and like so much that any ai i feel like even if it's just regurgitating what's already out there like don't you think that that whole thing of feeling Formu at least lyrically, <coughs> yeah yeah lyrically and formulaically yes Mm -hmm. 100 but not as expression 100% but not as an expression and not like not being able to really feel that real like yes they're going to be able to make a record like Adele 100% they probably already can and they can probably yeah. put Adele's voice on there like let's we like with all the deep fake stuff they can do pretty much anything is it really going to ever be as good I don't know I don't know it probably sonically yes but i i just don't think it will truly have that real human feeling i think the storytelling is important right yeah. i mean adele like she of course her songs are amazing yeah. but like the whole stories around them um just like the personality factor yeah. totally. if that wasn't hadn't been there yeah i don't know if, if they would have been received as like emotionally as they were mm. yeah um, i totally agree and and I think for me, I don't know about you, but when I listen to music, that's all I'm trying to get is a feeling from the music or how can I attach that song to a feeling of, or a memory or something like that. And that's kind of the only, if I'm writing music, it's like, how will this, how does this make me feel and how do I want this to make other people's people feel? Yeah. And in the moment yeah. or whatever like that. And I, I just, maybe I'm... I don't know, maybe I'm jaded but or naive, but hopefully. I feel like in dance music, it could be easier because it is such a, it's like I always have this, I wouldn't say issue, but this like, it's always a compromise, I think, between combining both artistic like expression with func just functionality because at the end totally. of the day, like it needs to work yeah. on the dance floor. Um, uh, and I can see that like AIs, maybe that would make, you know, AI is making dance music a little more feasible than writing pop ballads like Ellie. Uh, I don't. Adele I don't, did. Yes. With who? 
I just said like a like dove. Like okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I don't know though because I think pop songs are very formulaic as well. You have like verse, chorus, verse, pre chorus or something like that it's very like if you and if you listen to a lot of the pop records they all use very similar chords they all use like those power chords and it's very like the classic like boy band like they all have that like back in the like early 2000s they all had that key change after the first chorus yeah. if you know what I mean. it's just <laughs> very formulaic um yeah, yeah. So, i think the storytelling as- aspect is more important yeah. right yeah i totally agree and I think, I just, I hope they don't recreate that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. We're fucked we'll see. if it does. We are absolutely fucked if it does. I mean, I feel like before AI takes over, like, the creative, like, um, field, it'll take over, you know, everything else, like, automating. I feel like anything else is so much easier to automate, you know, any yeah. other profession. Yeah. So it's, it's I feel crazy. like the creative like sector like i feel like we might be the last one standing and then eventually maybe we'll also be taken over but <laughs> that's just my wishful thinking <laughs> that maybe yeah maybe that's the one thing that they can't take from us just yet the tech the tech but, world's mad i was i've got so, another project that i'm working on and it deals with ai it to a certain extent and it's mad what it can do like it, you can literally have a conversation with it like you yeah. can have a text conversation with it and I can text it and it can literally respond back how I want it to respond as long as you give it the right the right messages and you're like ah, fucking this is crazy yeah exactly and like the whole service industry like even lawyers and doctors which are you know yeah. stereotypically like the safest jobs and like the safest um like things to go to college for and you know go into debt for I feel like those are the first ones that are going to be just completely taken over by do you think doctors will be i think so because i mean would you rather be like if it was like a you know like a very dangerous surgery and it was like you had to be very you know take a very thin needle and like a very thin like it's all super tiny would you rather have like a shaky 60 year old like you know doctor's hand performing that or a robot (laughs) with like ultimate precision and everything yeah. like I'd, I'd choose the robot for sure i agree with that but then i don't know like gp like general practitioner doctor like mm. i google shit when i think i've got something wrong with me and it always turns out to be the worst so it's <laughs> like always just tells you okay you're gonna die tomorrow <laughs> literally <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah so it's like do I trust a computer? Because all they're just going to be doing is Googling. And it's like, oh, you have this, this, and this. It's you're, That's true. You're going to die tomorrow. Uh, um, I mean, I, I have, like, my cousin, she's a doctor. And she, like, the stuff she tells me is, like, it's so scary. Because yeah. she's like, most of the time, like, we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, we're, just, <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to, like, calm you down. Like, we have no idea. Just winging um, it. Yeah, exactly. They're just all winging it. And like, um, I did have a couple of, such, like I had one thing where every doctor told me something else. And in the end I did just Google and I found like, I ended up finding the one, I mean, it was like probably like a one, one in a million thing, time yeah. thing, but like occasionally, like even through Google, you can self-diagnose and it is, totally, and it is totally. right. Yeah. And it's like, mad that, isn't it? Because like you said, is like you lawyers, doctors is like still the go-to thing if you want a very successful or if you want a job that pays well and you will be in a job for life, if you know what I mean, it's like the go-to thing. Um, 
but it's all going. Like there's in law, like there's, I know there's apps now where you can literally like, if you need terms and conditions made for your for your website, if you need some sort of like basic contract made or not basic contract, you can literally like, go on a website and type in this is exactly what I want and they make it for you and you're just like yeah. I think the difference is is the level of trust is like it take how long will it take us to trust that all of that is actually correct mm. and if there's a mistake who's to blame I feel like exactly. that's a big question yeah. like also with self-driving cars like if there's ever an accident with a self-driving car is it you know are you to blame for mm. like if you're in the car from giving the car the permission to self-drive yeah. itself is the programmer of the self-driving algorithm to blame like is the company to blame i feel like that opens up a whole new just legal debate about responsibility and blame yeah it's really interesting isn't it because i get i the whole self-driving car is really interesting because i think it will be f amazing like when mm -hmm. it happens because i think i don't know i'm just plucking this out of thin air but i'd probably say 99% of accidents on the road is because of a human error. Yeah. And it's very rarely the car error. Um and if it is the car error, it's like you're suing that company in like one I know somebody who is a lawyer and he sues car companies for for mistakes that has caused fatal deaths or injuries. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah, they sue them for insane amounts of money. But like, if you like, I guess that's the answer to the question: is who do you blame? Is like, if it is the cars that the fault, no one goes to prison. Mm. Whereas, like, if you and I were drink driving, we and we hit somebody and we killed somebody, we'd go to prison. So that's the consequences. The consequences to the tech company is, well, they weren't drink driving and they weren't necessarily doing anything illegal, so they're just going to get sued the fuck out of. Yeah, and have, have to, to pay, pay like, a shit ton like, of money. money yeah but in tech we all know that money is an endless pit to a certain exactly. extent so it's money's like, just a number on the screen exactly and yeah. i think it'll be way safer though for sure and i'd I mean, love I, to be I, in I a car love... and not have to worry yeah be, i mean it will definitely revolutionize like the whole transport the whole topic of transportation i, I also who told me this? Like another friend, I think, told me that now they're also. Maybe this is all just conspiracy. May not a conspiracy. But I don't you know. Love how, conspiracy like, theories. <laughs> Come on, keep going. <laughs> I keep like pulling them out of. You everywhere. do, yeah. But like, um, they're working. Like a friend of mine told me they're working on basically like her company. Uh, they're working on things where you can like little like jumping pads, basically, where mm. you can jump like ten meters at a time. No and they're, way. Like, and it's like a thing where like, I was like, okay, you're working on it. And then 10 years, maybe you're going to like put out the first prototypes or yeah. whatever. But she's like, no, we're like, we just put out the prototypes. Like this thing is ready like to go. Wow. Um, and like, they're trying to, I feel like just how humans move is going to be so different. Yeah. Even like 10 years from now, maybe we're all just going to be jumping around in the air and like, no one, like we're not ever going to walk ever again. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. And it was just kind of sad. Um, but yeah, I feel like the whole world world is about to change and you put the whole thing, like yeah. if you bring like the metaverse into it then, and then yeah, NFTs yeah, yeah. and whatever, like everything is just, I feel like we're at such a like breaking point right now where it's like, we're like all these things already exist and they're mm -hmm. like, they're already like 
working parallel to the real like to the world that we know right yeah, now the yeah, traditional yeah. world and then at some point there's just going to be the switch where like it's going to be made for the masses we're all going to have to mentally like <laughs> accept it <laughs> and like it's just gonna completely do a whole 180 and like i feel like that's gonna happen sooner than later do you think that would be in our lifetime i think so yeah. i mean everything's happening so fast so fast it's mad yeah. Yeah. I feel like the only thing that's stopping us is like our like mentality, like our just how much how accepting we are. But like if you look at Asia where people already have robots as their pets and like yeah. don't see a difference between a real dog and a robot dog. Like it's all just a mental thing. Like if your brain accepts that as the as the real thing. Well, I guess as human beings or generalize generalizing, we don't like change, right? And we struggle yeah. with change. So I guess it's like but then like look at the iphone like look how much that changed the world it changed mm-hmm. everything or the ipod changed music but yeah. the iphone changed the world to a certain 100 percent mm-hmm. um and how one thing can change the whole world and how you look at it like if there wasn't the iphone there wouldn't be any apps there wouldn't be anything like that so it's like we'd be so far behind. And I think one yeah. one amazing invention can kind of change everything. Yeah. I tell you what I can't wait for is teleportation. True. But do you think that, I feel like that's like the one thing that's going to take a little longer. It better be in my lifetime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got to tell the, the science nerds to hurry up. <laughs> I, I, would, I would give up all, everything to, if I was intelligent enough, which I'm definitely not in that <laughs> that realm of life, I would give up everything if I could, if I knew that I could create a teleportation device. Same, because I feel like, especially as a musician, like the one thing that kind of kills the spirit and like really makes it such a tiring thing too is just all the traveling, you mm. know? You're like, if I could only perform, which is the one thing I love the, doing the yeah. most, and then teleport to the next city. Yeah. Like that would just make everything so much more doable. Also just the sheer amount of time that you would get out of that. Yeah. It would be, I agree with you. it would be insane. It'd be just mm. so good. And like, imagine it, imagine, too. yeah. Like you, we could do this podcast in, in person, right? True. Like, like there's somewhere the, on the beach. Yeah, exactly. We'd be like, where do you want to go today and do the podcast? It's like sick. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I think that would be, yeah, that would be so good. How do you- That'd f- be like your number one superpower if you had to choose. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. What would yours be? I'm just thinking, I'm like, it's stupid that I'm asking this question because I don't have a good answer for it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe also teleportation, or I feel like, I mean, I would love to be able to record my dreams. Wow. I don't know if that's a superpower, but like to just like have like a little gap, like a little camera that you can take with you into your dreams or like even just like be plugged to a device where it just records it all like a movie. I think that would be like the coolest thing. That'd be cool, but it would also be pretty dark. I have some pretty dark dreams. Yeah? Yeah. Like they've been pretty just like all over the place lately, but a lot of them, like I feel like 50% of my songs are all from dreams. No way. Really? Really cool. Yeah, I mean, I dream very visually and I dream like lucid very often. Um, So I would just like, there's been so many instances where I'm like, this is like so crazy cool. Like if like there's no way I'm ever, anyone else is ever going to understand what this Mm. dream 
feels like or looks like yeah. just by me explaining it because just it's not able to be put into words mm. and like for those moments i feel like that would be just so cool do you ever write you know? that do you ever write down your dreams I used to have like a dream diary where I would mm. like write them down whenever I like woke up. The first thing I did was write them down. Yeah. Um, but then I like got more into it and I also read the more you like, cause those are all steps you take to like facilitate the whole lucid dreaming thing. Okay. Um, but then also at the same time, it's kind of like a game with the devil because you're also increasing uh, how like um, your risk, like the, what's it called? Um, What's this thing called again? Sleep paralysis. You're okay. also like, yeah. the more likely you are to lucid dream, the more likely you are to get sleep paralysis. And I'm so scared of that, that I was like, okay. I've had <laughs> that a couple of times. Anyway. So like, don't put yourself like at more risk than you already are for sleep paralysis and stuff like that. Cause I, I have so many friends that have it and that like scares me to death. Yeah. Um, so I stopped gross. doing that, but uh, I do like, can you explain lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming is just being awake in your in your dreams. So you can like, okay. you know that you're dreaming, but you haven't woken up yet. So you can yeah. dream whatever you want. I have to say like for me, like it's not that easy. Like I can't just be like, okay, now I want to dream I'm at yeah. the beach and then all of a sudden I'm at a beach. Mm. Like I feel like you need to be a little bit even more, like more in tune with yeah. your subconscious to be able to do that. But like you can decide what you want to do in your dreams. You can like give yourself magic powers. Mm. You can teleport. <laughs> And like, I just love, like, I had this one dream. I always tell the story, but like a, a song of mine, Stains, is actually like from a dream where I was in my subconscious. Like it was like a lucid dream and I was in my apartment and like all of a sudden, like in a corner, I saw like a little door, mm. like kind of like Coraline. And then I like go through that door and um, I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like in this almost like, um, like shell-shaped uh, like room or like big hall um that's like basically like a gallery or like an exhibition of my subconscious so i had like pictures on the walls yeah. of people that i all the people that i knew that i hadn't spoken to in ages i had like i remember that day i googled uh the french word for like a message in a bottle and like i had that written there in my handwriting plus the german translation i had like like in a huge bottle yeah i had um just like writings on the walls i had like little like objects from memories that i you know memories of mine i was like this whole like sensory overload and like experience of like my everything i've ever like experienced and like my just my whole memory my whole subconscious and i was just like walking around kind of like exploring it and it was so crazy mm. um that i did end up writing a song about it um but like just dreams like that like if i were just able to record them like that would be yeah That'd I'd be, be special. the happiest girl on the what's, planet. What's your favorite movie? Movie. I have to say, like, I, I'm not super into movies. Okay. I was, I, I was just gonna. I was expecting you to say Inception. And so I love Inception. Yeah. I have to say, I love Inception. But like, I feel like I'm like a very sensitive, mm. and like whenever I watch movies, like it kind of messes again with my dreams, like a little bit. Like, oh, wow. like it's kind of scared like i remember the last movie that i actually watched was um i don't even know was it spider-man yeah like some marvel is spider -Man. i don't know my sister forced me to go like to the movies with her and like i think it was spider-man watched the spider-man thingy and like that night like my dreams were kind of like a mixture of like the spider-man universe mm. and like my own like 
fantasy universe. And then like, it kind of fucked me up because I was like, how much of this is like my own creation? How much is this, if this is just like a foreign, like whoever the director of the Spider-Man movie yeah. or whoever, like whoever thought of Spider-Man, like how much of this is mine and how much of this is, you know, another person's fantasy. Is that and not an amazing kind of, like, thing? It weirded me out. Is that it not, is kind of cool too. Is, yeah, is that not an amazing thing that it, allowing other people's creativity to affect your creativity in a positive way? True. I mean, that is kind of the whole thing of inspiration, right? Yeah, God. totally. Yeah, I'm right. a huge movie person. Huge. What's your favorite movie? Drive. Drive. Okay, haven't seen that one. Yeah. You should check <laughs> it out. I like, it, the soundtrack I, is I'll amazing. put it on my list of movies I want to watch, but probably never will. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the soundtrack after. Okay. You'll, okay. you'll love the soundtrack. Um, okay. and nice. The, I've heard of it. I've heard yeah. of Drive. I just like, I the only time I ever watch anything is when I brush my teeth. Oh, really? So, like, it's super you got stupid, clean teeth, like, so we're good. Huh? Clean teeth, exactly. Teeth, yeah. That's why I always spend two hours brushing <laughs> <laughs> But, like, um, that's, that's, like, the only way I can motivate myself to get up and, like, go get ready mm. for bed. It's, like, by, like, you know, this is, like, my designated Netflix time. Yeah. Every night is, like, you know, that half hour where I'm flossing, yeah, my yeah. teeth, doing my contacts and everything. Um, so I need something that's not, like, too mentally, like, challenging because... Yeah while you're brushing your teeth i also have an electrical toothbrush so like it's loud too um (laughs) so like fresh prints is about the level of complexity that (laughs) (laughs) it can be but it can't be above that (laughs) i respect that i respect that what the original fresh prints or the new one is there a new one yeah they've got a new one out oh my god why do they keep making like bad remakes of all these classics i don't know i think it's supposed to be like almost kind of serious as well and I'm like, the Fresh, yeah, like... That's the I, whole point of that, then. I know, it's pointless. And who's, who plays the Fresh Prince? I can't remember. I've not seen it. I have, have zero desire Okay, but to it's watch probably it. better that way. Yeah, zero desire to watch it. Um, yeah, no, me neither. It's I was, crazy. I was going to say something, but I completely lost track what I was going to say. What were we talking about before Fresh Prince? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, are you so, so you're not a big, like youtuber like watching youtube watching like anything like that youtube i do but like i use youtube just to when i'm like because i get this thing where i'm like i I read something that i'm super interested in like knowing more about and then i'll spend like a day deep diving on youtube like finding every bit of knowledge there is about that topic and i think youtube is the perfect platform for that but i'm not like i don't have youtubers that i like follow and like watch every video of or yeah. So you just I'm like, dive deep into conspiracy theories on YouTube and then yeah, and then you get all day every day. <laughs> what do you, what what do you do when you travel? How do you kind of bide the travel time? Um I sleep a lot. I think that's like I, the, the thing is like I can never sleep like also not at home, but oh, okay. on a plane. Why is I'm, that? Why I don't know. I think it's like this like calming thing. It's the same as like as a kid when you were dr- dr- like your parents were like you know, taking you on a long road trip. Mm. It was raining outside. Like that was just like, it was so easy to fall asleep during, you know, those car rides. And, um, it's the same, I think on the plane. And like, so I, I try to actually to make the, cause I hate traveling. So to make it go over quicker, I try to not, I mean, I, I don't try to not sleep, but I hardly sleep when I'm anywhere where there's exciting things happening of course and then like so that i'm super knocked out and then i can completely zone off when i'm the moment i step on the plane Mm. but the other things i do is i 
I kind of like, I feel like I'm very creative, like when I'm on a plane, like, especially I think, cause there's no distractions, you know, yeah. um, which is also why I'm good that Wi-Fi isn't like why I'm fine with Wi-Fi not being a thing yeah, yeah. on planes yet. Um, so yeah, I'll like, I'll write like songs, just like do voice memos. Cool. I'll maybe writing lyrics is I think so easy to do on a plane. Yeah. Um, even producing, but like for that, you need your laptop and like, usually it's just my phone. Uh, so I just love like, you know, using the time where I'm kind of away mm. from everything that's happening down on earth. Do you, do you so travel with your laptop? Huh? Do you travel with a laptop? I try, I mean, I have my lives. I'm not a DJ, right? Yeah, so yeah. I like have a live show and yeah. it's all on Ableton on my laptop. So I need my laptop, but it's like my live laptop. So yeah, it's not yeah. my personal laptop yeah. where I have everything. Mm on there but i it's it's all right for like i could be producing stuff but i don't know i just i i'm like very good with working just with my phone yeah um so i'd like to just you know completely use that when i can yeah no that's really interesting is i always like to see what other people do when they're traveling because we spend so much time doing it mm. and it's the one thing that i <laughs> can't remember who i was touring with um but they were like, if you can be productive and make and enjoy the travel, your life as an artist, touring artist, will be so much more pleasurable. Oh, it, yeah. Because it's, it, and that's, that is the it's one bit. 90% of, of the time, right? Well, so like, my, sounds bad, but my view is that we get paid to travel. We yeah, don't, we don't, no, I completely agree. Yeah, <laughs> we, don't, we don't get paid to do anything else, really, apart from travel. Which, yeah. yeah, like, if you're, like, a massive ticket seller and you can sell th hundreds of that or tens of thousands of tickets, like, yeah, you're paid to... You, you're traveling in the extreme, like, a very nice form of travel and it's probably a lot easier to do so. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think when you're... Especially at the beginning of your career and kind of getting to a point, you have to put in the hours traveling just like you have to put the hours in the studio and the hours in working how to learn the piano how to learn how to write songs yeah. and ten thousand hours on a plane <laughs> and then you know your and life more. really sucks <laughs> and more <laughs> it's like once you're a senator or whatever it's called you're like okay wow <laughs> yeah it's like when you're like i made it it's it's like when you talk to your friends and they're like they ask you what you're up to and you're in like four different countries in three days and you're like yeah like and then and then they complain like i don't know how you do it and you think like oh it's just fucking normal it's just like what yeah. we do um, exactly but, but i feel like it's also like i mean i love complaining about traveling as much as the next dj yeah. does i don't complain about <laughs> it i don't complain about exactly. it exactly i think it's also just so cool that it's part of our jobs like right. i'm like i mean i'm still at the beginning so i still see like I'm still excited, like, I can still get excited by going to a new place and, like, yeah. seeing a new culture, hearing a new language, like, just meeting new people. Um, I know that, like, once they're 10 years in, like, I have so many friends that are, like, Jake. they don't care where they are anymore. They just go straight to the hotel, go straight to the yeah. gig, go to the hotel, go back on, like, the next uh, plane, which yeah. I also understand. But I try to, whenever I have the time, to really make an effort and, like, go see the city if I haven't been there and like yeah. wake up extra early and like walk around a little bit. Um, so I try to, I don't know. I feel like the, num like the second thing that really inspires me is also just being in new places, which yeah. is why like 
especially when I'm like in the process of making new albums, like I always try to make it in a new place that I haven't been mm. before. And like, that's cause there's like that stimuli of yeah. like inspiration, like new triggers, new everything. It's just like, it does something to me. Mm. Um, so I think that's like, I, even though the traveling is really annoying, like it does pay off, not just for being on stage, but also just getting to see so much of the planet. I mean, yeah, it's interesting you say that about inspiration. Um, I, I don't, I used to, but I don't really get inspiration from being in different places now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I have truly, I think it was just a very easy thing as an artist to say, oh, I get inspired by going to this city or by going to that city. I think it just gets to a point where everyone, a lot of people say it. So it's the case of just agreeing with everyone and cracking on. And I think it's taken me a while to really understand like what truly does inspire me. Um, And it's such a cliche question, but like how does a city, how does a new place, how does that inspire you to write music? Because I think think it's really easy for people to say, yes, it inspires me, but none of us actually talk about like how it inspires us and what the processes of like, the inspiration to then the actual writing of the record and then the finishing of the record. I mean, I, um, I love, I mean, it's so hard nowadays to do anything that's new, right? Because everything has been done. Yeah. So what I love is just combining things that already exist and that maybe haven't been combined that much Mm. before, you know? So like my first ever songs, like at a time I was super like into like really, um, old, uh, church, like songs and I found a way to incorporate them on like the house and techno music that I was making which is now I think being that like it's obviously always been done but like it's still something that people don't do that much so I was like well this is cool like let me tap into that a little bit more and explore that a little bit more what type of church song sorry I want to dig into that quickly before we go into the other stuff but what type of church songs are they like gospel song songs or like gospel but the thing is i like i know all these terms in german i don't know what they are in english uh but it's like a motete and a madrigal madrigal i I have no idea but it's like really really old like not like before the classical period um just like the beginnings of church music yeah basically amazing um and i'll send you a few links yeah please do please do like it almost sounds like gregorian chants in a way like it's you know more that type um and the way i like that's the way where when i'm in new cities for example i was just in barcelona um a couple weeks ago and i went to this like the one church that or is it a church i don't know like the um the famous like I think it's a church. Yeah. Famous church that's in there. What's it called? I forget. What's Um, it called? I need to find it. The one that's still being built. Could be. Yeah. I mean, there was, it was definitely under construction. It was like famous for its architecture because it's Uh, Barcelona. Huh? Um, So it's in Barcelona. Did you say Barcelona? Barcelona. Exactly. Uh, It's not the cathedral. It's not the cathedral. La Sagrada Familia. That's it. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Basilica. Yeah. So that's the one I went to. Who was the uh, architect on that? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he's famous. He's a famous. You're asking all the questions of that. Uh, architect. Of Gaudi. Gaudi. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Gaudi. Exactly. So obviously we knew that. We didn't have to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went there and I was walking across the street and the church had just opened and there was like, um, like singing coming from the church. 
and it was like those like it was melodies that I hadn't heard in a long time because yeah. you know how church music like they use different intervals like they yeah. use different rhythms and obviously it was also a different language um so I was walking across the street and I heard it I, I think it was probably coming somewhere from the church yeah uh but I like recorded I like heard it I recorded it and then I recorded me kind of trying to sing it but like purposefully not singing the exact same thing but yeah. kind of already making it my own way and just like recording the reaction that I had in that moment of how that melody mm. kind of got transformed in my brain into another melody yeah and I have the recording it's like it's like yeah it's like a, a new melody that I can now use on a song and it was literally inspired by me being in this new place walking across the street getting this new impression of this melody that I wouldn't have heard anywhere else on yeah. the globe yeah, yeah. and like you know, that's the way that I kind of weave new places into my songwriting and music that's writing. Cool. Do you ever do like field recordings where you're like, uh, I want to get more into it. I just ordered yeah. like a new mic to plug into my phone. Um, I use but, just the normal mic. Yeah. It's yeah, also good. It's right? really good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And it, it seems to work. Yeah. Do you do that with field recording? I record a lot. I never use it because I always forget that I recorded. <laughs> So it's also like, like on Splice, I feel like no matter, like I was, for example, I was in Ibiza and I, I stood there recording waves for five minutes and then I go on Splice and I look up waves and like the waves just sound so much better on Splice. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day, I just take the ones from Splice and not the ones that I actually recorded. Do you know why? Why they sound better? Why? Because the, the, the AI made it. Ooh, now we're back to, this is like a recurring theme. <laughs> <laughs> Always circling back to the AI. Yeah. <laughs> Controlling our lives. Um, no, you're probably right. Like there's some type of crazy, crazy thing in there probably. that we just don't have access to. Splice yeah. is an interesting concept, I feel. It's like, mm. it's changed, it's changed the world of music in especially yeah. electronic music. Um, what's your thoughts on it? I think it's cool. I feel like people that say that, you know, every sound on your own records has to be produced and like made by yourself. And like, you can't let, you know, work, other people's work be part of your own stuff. Yeah. I feel like that's a very restrictive way of looking at it. I think as long as you, I mean, I think the power is still nowadays even more so than ever before because of things like splice yeah. not in the creation but also very much in the curation mm. so i think like as a dj all you do is you curate music all day and as a producer using splice it's the same thing it's just like on a more molecular basis yeah. obviously um so i love using it in my productions i try not to go overboard and i try to you know i want to for example i use my voice a lot in my productions mm. um not just as me like singing but also just as like an instrument like yeah. i love kind of making a pad out of it or yeah, something yeah. that like really no one else on this planet has access to yeah. except for myself mm. um so i do try to do things that stand out and like try to um make it make my music unique to my myself yeah but at the end of the day like if there's a cool splice loop or a spice sound that inspires that out of me or inspires me to do anything to build up on it yeah then i don't see why it's so bad to use it even if everyone else has access to it too yeah i agree i think it's it's a uh, i agree with the whole you shouldn't 
have to write everything yourself and make every sound yourself. I think that's just no one does that really. Yeah, because um, you. I can, know someone who does. Yeah, but I I guess you could then bring that back to like you have to do everything yourself. So you have to yeah. fucking make the, gu- the guitar yourself. You have to make everything. Like there's True. there's like a not. level of like. Yeah, and I feel like art doesn't like art isn't created in a vacuum. No, like so many like those type like so many people that don't want to use bias or also that don't want to be inspired by other artists or like do thing do yeah. what's trendy right now like i get it like you want to do a hundred percent like what's inside of yourself and let it out yeah. but i feel like art is so informed by what's happening in the culture in that type like zeitgeist mm. in the time that you're making the art yeah. um that like that's a very i think again like a very just restrictive way of looking at it like i made my last album uh completely isolated didn't get to road test it and like the i only got to play it live after i'd already handed it in yeah and that was a big mistake because i like i then when i was on the road all these things i started noticing all these things which yeah. i would have never noticed yeah. if i you know just in my little studio yeah. on my headphones um so like now really i try to inform like really it's such a it's such a just craft of marrying both your vision in the studio with the Mm -hmm. like vision live for me nowadays and that's like really the two worlds that I always try to be like going back and forth um between and that's I think a much cooler way to to look at it and Mm -hmm. to kind of also just get that feeling and it is a culture like dance music is such a culture right and to kind of have that in the music too and not just have it be like you know a production that you made in your on your own with headphones on uh, it's, I don't know, I feel like it's different. It's really interesting though, because you're in a kind of a unique situation where you write dance music or electronic music. Not all, not everything you write is that, but you're also performing it in a DJ setting, but you're not a DJ. Mm-hmm. How <laughs> is, is, have you, have you ever DJed? I started DJ like I never purely DJed. Yeah. I would always do hybrid DJ sets. Yeah. So I'd play like 50% my own stuff and then sing when I was playing my own stuff yeah. and then yeah. 50% other stuff. Mm. That was how I began just because of logistics. Like yeah, it was yeah. just so totally. much easier to travel yeah. with a USB stick yeah. <laughs> and a mic as opposed to like a whole full live setup. Yeah, yeah. But then at the end of the day, like I think it confused a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And also like I never saw myself as a DJ. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I'm not the type to spend hours on beatboard, like crate digging and whatever. Like, I think it's cool that I just don't, wouldn't have, I think the patience for it. And I just much rather use that time to make something myself. So I, like I said, I never really saw myself as a real DJ. Um, and also I feel like it was sending mixed signals because people were asking me like, are you live artist? Are you a DJ? Like, what are you doing? Um, and I was like, yeah, good question. Like it's. It's hard, I think, nowadays because I feel like as soon as you make electronic music, you're automatically a DJ. Yeah. Which um, I think is a little sad, but I mean, it's just part of how things are nowadays. Um, right. Well, I, I don't think. I think it's just the culture, right? It's like you it make is. you make yeah. you make club records, which is made for the club, and the club is ninety nine point nine percent of the time has a DJ in. Yeah, exactly. And, and and it is so cool to be like as a live live artist, you know, I don't have the I can't react to the crowd like a DJ can. Yeah. So um, for me, like it's I had to make the conscious decision beginning of this year. 
do I want to do just DJing or do I want to do just live? Because there's no way of me doing like the hybrid thing anymore. Like it's too confusing. Um, and then I decided, okay, I want this to be a hundred percent my own Mm. vision. Like I just want to play a hundred percent my own music. Mm. I want to be able to play instruments on stage. Like I want to be able to express myself, uh, on different, with different tools. Um, so whatever, like I'm, I am going to pay the extra flight and the extra hotel room for a tour, tour manager so yeah. I can carry all my stuff, but it's worth it in the end because I'm investing in something long-term and like, I'm building up just this, my own world of music and like slowly, but surely letting the people into it. And it's a good investment. So that's the decision I made I the beginning that. of the year, which was kind of hard. Um, but I'm really glad I did because now like going back to the creative process, like the fact that I have my whole studio on stage with me now has allowed me to also be so creative on stage and like write new songs, Mm. write new ideas on stage in that moment. And it's also just allowed me to completely express myself and like completely show people the music that I, that I, that I make and like invite them into this language that I speak with my music. So yeah, that was kind of no, I, I really respect it. And I think it's like you're playing the long-term game, which I think in this day and age, especially a lot of people don't even look at the long-term game. And mm. I think for me, looking into other people's careers, like you see the rise and the fall of DJs, of artists, of whatever. But I think if you're playing the long-term game, it doesn't matter about the peaks and troughs in your career because there's a there's a long-term goal and you will eventually get there if you work hard and you write great music. And it's just a matter of time of when that kicks off and, and things grow and you get to where you want to get to. I think as a DJ, when you are just a DJ, I do think there's limits. And I'm a, I'm a DJ, if you know what I mean. Like, I've been a DJ since I was 11 years old, 12 years old. And there is limits. Uh-huh. And What are the limits, you would say, like, that well, I wouldn't have performing live? Well, I, I, I think the limit... I think you create your own limits as a, as a, as a human, as a person. And I think mm-hmm. the DJ world is very limited to i play house and techno and that is all i do right and that is all i'm allowed to do and that's the limit right when you're a live artist and you're and this is just me like i'm not saying this is necessarily the case but like if i was to play like a really chill record halfway through a set Mm -hmm. it might it might work it might not but also it's like there's a level of like you have to keep the club you're you're almost working for the people yeah it's a a lot more functional of course yeah you're a lot more like as an artist like as a live artist you have much you're allowed much more of that you know fuck you attitude of like like, this is what i do take it or leave it yeah yeah exactly and, and as a DJ, your job is you're right your yeah. job's to entertain and, exactly. and and i think there's it's i don't know i'm just imagining from where you're at in your career like there's gonna be times where 
you're playing live and people don't have a fucking clue who you are and mm. and what you do and they will be pleasantly surprised and some people won't be if you know what i mean that's the joys it's the same as being any artist in the world but there's something really amazing about that that just like speaks that i just i haven't experienced myself yet in my career whereas like i'd love to like my dj sets are literally 95 percent my own records so i'm practically playing a live show but yeah. it's in a dj format but i think like there's uh i don't know what the word like there's a, a you're like just laying yourself out on the table Mm-hmm. and just ready to there, there's no get out clause yeah there, there's no like oh i can just play this big record that everyone is going to respond to yeah it's a lot more vulnerable definitely. that's the word i was looking for vulnerable <laughs> yeah you're you're just yeah and and i think there's something i really respect about that and also really wish for my own career that i did that to a certain extent but, um, i mean you can still i will i will it's in the plans <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I also i mean my now like you said like i still play in these dj situations yeah. where it's a dj lineup yeah and then like my music like all my life says like the kick never or i mean the beat never stops so like it is very heavily inspired by dj yeah culture definitely um but i mean the goal is of course to do headline shows and to really have it be like not just a sonic experience that's 100 my own but also like everything from how the ticket is designed to yeah. how what you first see when you entry yeah. the visuals mm-hmm. like the the light like the whole just have the whole experience be 100 yeah. percent my own expression and i think that's something i mean you could debate like if you look at afterlife if you look at solomon like all these big djs they have their own visual team with them now and it, it is almost like a live show sure. in a way where yeah, it's yeah. like and a whole experience and they're still DJing and not playing live. Um, but I was always, I was, cause I see myself kind of as like an audio visual artist. So I like, I love being like expressing myself as much through visual, uh, as audio content, yeah. like for the whole album, because, because I like so many songs come from dreams. Like I do, like I did like a whole animation project, mm. uh, where I even like really sketched out some of the dreams that I had and then turned them into animations. That's cool. So I think just to be able to like combine all of that live as the medium for me. Yeah. Um, I also think that, I mean, as a DJ, you're right. Like you have the power of playing, dropping a hit song or I don't know, uh, like really responding to the crowd, but there's something about the human voice. I think that it's just like, it's so emotional. Like you can capture an audience if you use it at the right time, like in the right moment. Um, and it's such a different, just level of emotionality like compared to mm. a, that a dj could ever achieve totally. obviously because it is you know the human voice yeah, yeah um so that's almost i mean it's also hard because clubs aren't made for vocals like there's always no. feedback issues like and also i think at 5 a.m in the morning no one wants to hear a voice like you know no one wants to hear you sing um but i feel, <laughs> I feel like it can be a highlight and um I love like having fun with that. And it's also a surprise. I mean, I love surprising people. I think music is all about surprising mm. people. And like um, most people, like when I first, when I sing the first few notes, they're like, what? 
like they're like i can see them like looking around like what's she saying like i don't get it yeah. and like it's just cool to kind of you know yeah i guess the it. whole live thing in a club is different as well right you don't often like live i look at live music as like a band right or like you go yeah. see a band um, yeah. i've obviously got a lot of friends that do live djs or live sets in a club um i'm my own band yeah it's book. really amazing <laughs> what we can do with technology because yeah like i chemical brothers are like one of my favorite bands faithless are like it's very different because faithless i don't know if you do you know faithless i chemical brothers i know i like i've heard of them yes yeah so with like faithless they make electronic they made electronic music still do i i guess um huge in the 90s and early 2000s but like they when they performed live they had a full band and mm -hmm. it was like they had like eight people on stage like performing which was amazing to see especially to, amazing to see like electronic music performed in a way like that and then on the other spectrum where you go to see chemical brothers where we know that it's all being played off like backing track but they have some sort of control with synths and midi and things like that but it's such a visual experience yeah and it's very it's very immersive and it's very like it's amazing and i think this that's the amazing thing is like yes with afterlife right they're the, the kind of people right now that are just creating the most amazing visuals for a dj setting but still like there's still something lacking to me in that sense where it's it takes yeah I, I do people go to that party because they enjoy the music or do they go to that party to see the visuals and take photos of the, of the visuals whereas like when you're going to see a live artist it's like i'm going to see for the whole experience yeah which yeah. i love i love so i really respect it <laughs> So, yeah no you're work. right like does it take away from does it take the focus off of the music yeah. of course but then again if you see yourself also like bringing it again more back to ai and the metaverse like if you look <laughs> at <laughs> the future in the metaverse like i just went to my first um vr rave in la wow uh, and that was such a crazy experience but it was so immersive and like yeah. after five minutes your brain just accepts Switches, it as yeah. the new reality and like i was dancing on like I, I was shrinking myself, growing myself. I was flying around. I was dancing on mushrooms. There was like a button where you could uh, like physically, physically on mushrooms. And like there was a button that you could press. And then all of a sudden, like on the dance floor, all of these like noodles would appear like colorful, like basically like pasta noodles. And they were like <laughs> wiggling and like dancing. Around. Like it was so, like, it was so crazy. And like you were even able to take drugs in that already extremely trippy world, which was like, next level like yeah. it was so crazy and like i think if you because visuals have become like next to the music mm. so like i said immersive and like so much part of it if you really build up a live show that's known both for the music yeah. and the visuals like and then translate that into yeah. the new medium that we're all bound to yeah. be gravitating towards which is the metaverse yeah then that can really you know completely blow everything out of proportion and it can be such a huge thing that you would never be able to experience mm. and, or like create with just music. So I think in a way it's just like preparing maybe your fan base or like totally. preparing the people 
for what's to come in the future and like opening up opening up that gateway again yeah, yeah. already of creative expression no, i totally agree question about vr raven how does it sound so crazy good like really good and also realistic like it was like if you turned around in the, in the metaverse like the music it would like it was like a forest rave and like you could walk around in the forest yeah and like the music would really Change. feel like 4d audio yeah type, like where like if it was on the like if it was far away on the left you would only hear it on your left ear and like if you were climbing up a tree like it would all of a sudden come from like the what's what's it called like the audio placement yeah, was just 100 yeah, yeah. accurate the sound quality i mean it was a vr vr you know headset so uh, obviously okay. that can always yeah. be improved but like just like the spatial like it all feels so realistic yeah. and like they even like it was like the guy told me like it was all like an algorithm basically that was yeah. at every part of the game calculating where you are right now what's standing like around you that could reflect music and the real world wow. world and how what type of sound would that produce and then really emulating that on your headset so we're all fucked it was crazy <laughs> yeah um yeah because that's the one thing about i was again talking about that yesterday um with the whole ai conversation but like it's there's still for me something about that human connection and feeling the speakers like mm -hmm. the, some of my best memories are walking into a venue and just feeling the sub bass yeah and I know it becomes sounded, very physical at some point yeah and it's it's not necessarily even about it's the anticipation like it's being outside the venue and hearing like someone opening the door and you hear it out, and it's like that anticipation of going in and like experiencing it and I, I maybe it maybe we will change with the whole VR thing um i think yeah i mean i for me it was interesting because i feel like the whole covid thing first of all like i agree with the physical thing yeah. but i think that can be solved with bodysuit suits which are already a thing right so yeah. like if you're wearing a bodysuit and wearing the vr headset like he headset yeah everything becomes 100 percent replicable yeah um in the vr in the vr space but i think like virtual clubbing in general um because my first gigs they were all uh, streaming gigs which is such a sign of the times because i started in 2020 wow so like the first like it was a weird experience like my first ever gig was actually like a, a gig where i was playing in a virtual club and then mm. after that i could go to the club and see myself play so like cool. it was super weird and like i obviously didn't enjoy it having those be my first gigs because yeah. i remember like the first time i was actually playing in front of people like it was like it was together with buka shade and it was like this weird like like you know post-covid but not really where yeah. there were like couches set up and everyone had their little radius of like mm. a meter that they could were able to like allowed to move yeah. in and like it was still super weird and like from that then like working my way to the first concerts where or like shows where people were standing and they all had their designated like x's on the ground and if yeah. they ever moved from that x like you know they were kicked out and then at some point which was the most stupid i think was that they were allowed to stand but they weren't allowed to dance which i'm like COVID's not going to spread more it's crazy if you dance. it's crazy like, it's, you know that's yeah, not yeah. how viruses work um but yeah so i like i obviously really enjoyed then playing my first gigs yeah. in front of a real crowd yeah. that didn't have any limitations on movement and everything but my little sister she's uh 14 and like she was 12 when COVID began, I think. Yeah. 
um, or, or 11, I don't know. But like that is such a, you know, from 12 to 14, those are like the years I feel like, well, yeah. where so much just happens also in social development. Mm-hmm. And like, you go out with your friends for the first time, yeah. like you make all of these like, very important experiences for the first time and i feel like if you miss out on making those which my sister did yeah um and make them through another like on another uh like another way like she did for example she wouldn't meet up with her friends of her life they would meet up on Fortnite, yeah. or like she wouldn't yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. she was being homeschooled so she was just behind the screen all day every yeah. day and like but there was a point where they were allowed to meet up again and they they were like okay so they like made, made a made a play date, uh, went to their play date. And then like, they came back a half hour later and my sister was like, no, we didn't want to be together like in real life because we wanted to see each other on Fortnite. And my friend only has one PlayStation at home. So I have to come back home so that we can be on Fortnite together. Wow. And I was like, whoa, that's like, they preferred, you know, cause it was just the new norm for them to be meeting on the virtual in the virtual space rather than the real life space and i feel like if you grow up with that and if that's your new understanding of normality then you don't really have maybe don't really have that desire that we have because we know the real thing of like really going clubbing and really you know like experiencing it like it is because there are many especially for a little maybe socially anxious like there are so many pros to doing it virtually where you can be in the comfort of your own home you can choose which strangers you want to talk to and then you can always opt out of the conversation you can look however you want to look yeah you can you know there's so many cool things about it that we that we feel like would never ever like even if you add them all up it wouldn't come close to the real thing but like i feel like if if that's all you know, then that can be a really that can be a really like a viable way for you to do clubbing in the future. Well, it's 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 like anything, right? It's like people growing up. It's like what we we're talking about with social media at the beginning. It's like what you grew up with. It's like there's people now that grew up with iPhones that didn't know before mobile phones. They didn't know. Yeah. Like I was at the gym this morning and they uh, there's a school connected to the gym and they d- were doing like a a, P, uh, a gym class like all the kids were on their phones during gym class yeah. and i'm like guys you're supposed to be exercising like <laughs> what why have you got your phone at the gym whilst you're at school cuz exercising their thumbs yeah cuz me looking back <laughs> if we had a mobile phone like it was like a flip phone at school and like it would be taken off you if you got caught with it and then i'm like oh hang on a minute i'm at the gym watching youtube as well and i'm exactly in exactly the same situation there's no difference between me and them apart from they're at school and it's like yeah like i guess it's just culture changes and certain things happen in the world that that kind of influence culture and exactly it's this constant need to be stimulated you know yeah i I think it's like the simplest tasks anymore that's just how it is nowadays without totally Totally. Something playing, multitasking, and like it just becomes the new norm. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pros and cons to everything, and I think Definitely. realistically, you just got to do what makes you happy. I know, but I feel like like I need to force myself. Like I, I just had this conversation with a friend. Like I feel like sometimes you just need to force yourself to do what's officially better for you. Like totally. I could spend like the next hour on TikTok, or I could force myself to go on a walk and totally. like clear my head. And like, even though initially like that is a lot harder 
for me to do. It's a lot more of a challenge to, yeah. you know, put on my coat and everything and then step outside. But yeah. I feel like afterwards, it always, yeah, like, you feel so much better. And always. I feel like you just have to ask yourself a lot, like, how is that going to make me feel afterwards? Totally. Before totally. you start going on a TikTok deep dive or whatever. And it's hard. I'm, um, I'm like a huge advocate for that. It's like, just really do some, do stuff that you actually, that like challenge you every single day and i know that sounds cliche as fuck but it's like wake up i make myself go to the gym every single day and it's not because i'm the fittest person in the world but it's because i know that if i work my ass off at the gym as hard as i possibly could like there's nothing that's going to be harder that day to deal with and i've yeah. dealt with the hardest thing and it's like in the studio yesterday like we i i was writing with somebody else we had like we worked in this we, we did three ideas for a record and we worked hours on it and then had to come back and eventually got there. But like, if yeah. you really push through for the hard shit, it makes everything else so feel, feel so good when you're done. And I, you're so right. You're so right. It's super important. And I, I also habit building, right? I mean, I feel like we spend 90% of our days on autopilot anyway. Yeah. So yeah. like, so like, you know, 90% of it is subconscious and yeah. those ha habits that you build, no matter how small they are. Yeah. And like, even challenging, like it's such a big word. Like, like I said, like going out on, on a walk is already, a ch I, view, I view it as a challenge already, yeah. even though it's obviously not a hard thing to do. Um, <laughs> but like, just like challenging yourself in those little things and really building those habits yeah. to then again, like integrate them into your routine. Um, yeah. I feel like that's like really the, the key to mastering life. I totally agree. And that is a perfect way to wrap this motherfucker up. Um, <laughs> Thank wow, you. how long have we been talking? Uh, hour and a half. Oh, wow, okay. It's gone quick. Nice. Gone pretty quick. <laughs> um, how can people follow you? Uh, I'm Joplin Berlin on all social medias. So J-O-P-L-Y-N and then B-E-R-L-I-N. And then on Spotify, it's just Joplin and Apple Music. And like, you can listen to my music under just Joplin, which is J-O-P-L-Y-N. It's amazing. Go listen. Um Thank you so much for coming on. It was I've really enjoyed this. Uh, Thank you. I enjoyed it too. I feel like we could have gone on for ages. I know we. I would carry on going, but I'm record. <laughs> I'm recording four podcasts today, and I've got another one in twenty minutes. Oh wow! Okay, so, you really. Yeah, I've got a lot wow. of. It's like it's a factory line today. Um, wow. But yeah, thank you so much. We thanks for I, taking the time. No, thank you for having me. Um, having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, <laughs> this is my podcast. Yeah, this is your podcast. Over. Welcome to the Joplin <laughs> Podcast. Um, in future, when you've got new music coming out, I know you've just had a new release out on Watergate, um, but when you've got a new album, please come and talk about it. I'd love to kind of talk more process of music. Um, yes, true. We kind of steered around that today. That's There's the best thing. That's about. the best thing. Yeah. There's like... You exactly, because that's what that. I always talk about. So exactly. this is very refreshing. <laughs> I, listened, I listened to a few interviews beforehand of you uh -huh. previously. And I was like, there's a lot of music talk, so we don't need to talk about music so much. It's like people, yeah. people can get that. AI all the way. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> going to think I'm a big conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy theories. The clip I'm going to use is like you exactly. talking about conspiracy theories. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, keep safe and I'll see you soon. Big love. Big love. Stay on. And that is a wrap. Big love for everybody listening. Thanks for coming on Joplin. And please hit subscribe and give us a little review. Keep safe. Till next time.